Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of Grow With Soul. Today I'm going to share more detail about my approach to content creation, how I think about it and how I try to make it valuable and inspiring. My approach to content has changed over the last couple of years, both because content trends have changed and because I've developed as a writer and a creator and learned more about what makes people tick and what makes them click. So in this episode, I'm going to share more about the story of my content progression and some of the major changes that I've made. So for those of you who don't know, I started my blog as a lifestyle blog in the summer of 2016. And by the summer of 2017, I was transitioning it into being a business blog before we moved to Wales and I left my job in the summer. So back then, it felt very much like everyone was producing and consuming how-to content. So podcasts and blogs and emails that taught skills and mindsets in a very, very practical way. Of course, I was at the start of my business, so I was really, really tuned into the how-to stuff at that time. But it also was the kind of peak of demonstrate your expertise and serve, 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 sell and give all your good stuff away for free kind of advice and rhetoric. So I always wanted to teach with my content, go through my 2017 and 2018 blog archive and you will see how to after how to after how to. And there are a few reasons for this. One is that it was the obvious way to demonstrate my expertise in inverted commas, as all the experts were telling me. What better way to show what an expert you are than by giving someone the method and the instructions to do something? And being fairly new to the scene, as it were, I was keen to stake a claim in the marketing space as someone who is really valuable and had useful things to say. So leads me on to two that I wanted to be valuable. I knew that if I wasn't providing value with my content, then I was just more noise on the internet and I needed people to pay attention. And for me, value equaled teaching because that's what I was finding valuable. I couldn't imagine why anyone would find something that wasn't how-to valuable even. And I thought anyone sharing that kind of content was obviously missing a trick. Three, honestly, was my ego. I was living off positive feedback, particularly at the beginning when there were no sales to live off. Whenever anybody said that what I'd written was useful or it made sense or it worked for them, it was like receiving a gold star. I wanted to to show off how much I knew, how clever I am. And the best way to do that was by talking about everything I knew in almost a textbook style. 
I mean, I might be a little bit harsh on my early writing, but it was super, super factual. Typically, I can't remember the exact situation or where I heard it, but at some point I heard someone say that people learn best when they work something out for themselves. The fact that the moment of hearing that information doesn't stay with me suggests that I probably dismissed it as inconvenient at the time, but somehow it really latched onto my brain like a limpet and it wouldn't let go. And as I went about creating content and creating products, it kept popping up in my head as a little reminder. I didn't like the idea at all. It felt unnervingly selfless. How would people know it was me that helped them if all I did was help them work it out for themselves? How will they see the value in what I do and in what they paid for if it's not obvious what I actually did? people are paying for results and for answers and helping them to figure it out for themselves feels like a cop-out. And as with most things that we resist, the real issue was, how do I even do it? That little parasite phrase had stuck with me because deep down I knew it was true and I wanted to help people in the best possible way. One of my core principles is to make sure that people can have a sustainable long-term methods that work for them. I didn't know if I was a sophisticated enough creator to actually make things that helped people work things out for themselves. I began to realise that I was learning through stories. Watching Brene Brown's Netflix special, for example, I worked out the lesson in the story about swimming with her husband a few minutes before she got to the punchline of that story. On podcasts, when people shared their journeys, I could join all the threads together to the big turning point that was coming in the story before they described their own realisation. It's like watching a murder mystery programme. When the killer is revealed and you were right all along, you just feel like you're this superior criminal mastermind. And you get that same proud feeling when you work out the lesson in the story. And that happiness, that feeling, that pride only serves to solidify the knowledge in your brain. The other link with murder mysteries, and I didn't realise there'd be this many when I started this metaphor, is that it's enjoyable. Stories grab our attention and they pull us in and they entertain us. And crucially for our marketing, that keeps attention. You don't need to be throwing out all the bells and whistles in every single thing that you know, because your reader or listener, they just want to know what happens next. Up here in my local town is Gloucester's Pottery and Mifanwi shares the trials and tribulations of running the shop and the workshop on stories. And if you are listening, Mev, I don't mean this to sound like I revel in your discomfort, but her stories are kind of like my favourite soap opera and I watch them every single day. Whether it's a kiln exploding which I don't think actually happened, or it's the stray cat, or it's new glaze experiments. I always want to know what's going to happen next. And honestly, I went for lunch with a friend pre-lockdown and she asked whether I've been keeping up with the electrics at Gloucester's. And if you're thinking this all sounds a bit silly, remember that in between the soap opera instalments, there are ad breaks where they show the beautiful pottery and the work that they've got for sale and 
Their web updates sell out in minutes. You may also remember that at the end of last year, I had Elise Blaha-Kripe on the podcast. And one of the reasons I love to follow Elise is her simple narrative way of teaching planning. On Instagram, she shares the story of a project as it unfolds and you want to find out what happens next. Will the things that she thought would go wrong actually go wrong? What will this idea that you've seen in a plan look like in reality? What will happen at the end? It's done so simply in just a few words and an image on a story slide, but it just hooks you in. I've learned a lot about planning and the mindset side of projects from Elise through this. And I bought both her book and her planner. Another reason why stories are a great tool for teaching is because they're easier for us to follow. In early human development, we learned and bound together as communities through storytelling. So our brains are literally wired to follow and learn through stories. This was brought home to me while I was reading Gia Tolentino's essay collection called Trick Mirror. The first chapter of the first essay is a very literary one. Exactly how writers want to write with kind of super smart sentences and it's all pure idea wrangling. But that also meant it was quite hard to read and I kept zoning out or missing something and had to go back up the page to remind myself where I was. And actually I can't even really remember what it was about. But in subsequent essays, she brought out the stories she told the parallel stories of her upbringing in a Texan megachurch and the history of the development of ecstasy in an essay about the nature of faith. She also told the story of how she'd been on a reality show as a teenager and flicked between her memories of the show and conversations with her castmates now. I remember being eager to see what happened next as I skimmed through the dialogue as I began to realise this was a tale about being careful of what you wish for. And I read these two chapters much more easily. I understood them. I felt smart and I remember them. And isn't that what we want from our marketing content? To hold attention, to make our customer feel good and remember us. People routinely tell me that the coaching episodes here on the podcast are their favourites and that they get so many takeaways from them. I always thought this was because it's it's more unusual to hear people in the messy middle or even the messy beginning on a podcast and because the episodes are, are really practical and I'm sure that is a part of it. But I realised very recently that they're the episodes with the most story in them. We follow a narrative arc from where someone is at the beginning to where they're going to be by the end and we want to know what's going to happen to get them there. What will they explore? What relations will they have? What will they decide to do at the end of the episode? When I look through my course content or I think back to client calls, I realise that they're littered with stories. The playbook is really a series of stories about my experience and what went really badly and also what went really well. In Basecamp and Campfire, I tell the stories of other brands and how they started or, or how they use their content. I use the stories of former clients to help others in a similar situation and often I get people to write out their own story as an exercise in working out their purpose and what they really want. So for all my initial reticence about helping people figure things out for themselves, I realised that that's what I've been doing all along, by telling stories. And 
I could see that it was true. The students who figured something out for themselves not only felt amazing, they stuck with it. I could have taught them. I could have said, I'll do this, write this down, but they wouldn't have learned the lesson. Now, when I sit down to write and to plan content, I no longer think, what can I teach? But what story can I tell? It's not actually natural for me yet because I have so indoctrinated myself in the how-to regimen that it does have to be a very conscious intention for me to do this. When I am planning ideas or outlines, I always remind myself to think of stories to illustrate the points. And even as I wrote the script for this podcast, I was constantly putting in notes for more examples and reminding myself to put the story before the punchline because I wanted you to figure it out and learn it for yourself. One thing that I've started doing to help me is keep records of examples and stories that I can pull from. Just on my phone, I jot down anything that I might be able to use to teach through my content in future. I find I quite often make the link in my brain between X thing happening and how it relates to Y lesson. So I just need to hone the muscle that remembers to write it down. Thinking in terms of stories and not lectures also help to stop everything being about me all the time, even though I was writing more about myself. I wasn't thinking about how I could show my knowledge or my value, but how I could help someone see their own potential or situation through a story. I stopped worrying about expertise altogether because I just needed to be able to prompt people and give them the pieces they couldn't get to themselves. Earlier I said I used to feel like I got a gold star when someone said my content was useful. Now, the biggest compliment is when someone says it's as if you're in my head. I want my content to connect with people. I want it to stick with them emotionally, not just cerebrally. I want them to be able to read their own situations and problems and dreams into my content so that they can figure out what to do next. I want them to remember how they felt and what they went on to do. I want them to connect with me because one day they'll buy something or one day they'll share something or they'll tell their friends. Connection creates conversion and stories create connection. You can find the show notes for this episode at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast and you can find me on Instagram at simpleandseason. If you think you have a friend who would really enjoy this episode, please do send them the link and share where you're listening online too. And until next time, I hope you grow a soul.